Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where games are facing off this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Ding, 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 ding! I win! Okay, uh, today we're talking about, well, kind of a continuation from our topic last week that we accidentally did. We wanted to talk more about, like, <laughs> online games versus single-player games versus MMO games and how they're kind of blending together, I suppose, right? Yeah, really, where it's kind of, we play, I know I play different kinds of games as though they're other kinds of kind of like mmos as though they're single player and some online games that way too so yeah they kind of blend because of play style yeah and it's kind of like like i don't know i feel like i used to move back and forth between different types of games for yeah. different reasons but now like they're blurring the lines so sometimes it's hard to know what type of game i'm playing and why yeah In- exactly Okay, That's the, it's good that I'm not the only one who feels that way. But no, no, not at all. Because used to it was there was a time where when I was in college and I think late high school, right when MMOs were coming out, where there was and you didn't have things like Counter Strike and Team Fortress, and those were just coming out then with online. That way, there was lands for Diablo. Diablo two was the first one to really use BattleNet, and online was such a different thing than any other kind of to any kind of single player gaming and now like you said it's kind of blurred together where mechanics are being integrated back and forth yeah and i mean like speaking of team fortress too like i i used to do a lot of competitive multiplayer games back in probably like you know when i was a teenager and then into college and then after college i just kind of i've slowly tapered off over the years but i mean i i put in my time on counter strike the original counter strike you know 1.6 yeah. like for a long time and starcraft 2 i was super into the beta and like right after it came out and i don't know i guess I just used to be like a lot more into competitive games than I am now. And I don't know if it's my age or if it's just like a time investment that I don't have. And I kind of suspect it might be both of these because I still do. Well, yeah, because I still do like a little bit like this last weekend. I tried the arms. um, They call it the test punch, but it's just a beta, you know, and like the other week I was doing Splatoon 2 and I'll probably get both of those games. Maybe. I don't know yet. Um but they're kind of like casual competitive, yes. which is almost a new genre. And it's something that I can't really get into because of that casual competitive, because I'm so all or nothing when it comes to that kind of thing that it's, I don't know, like Splatoon is fun and I really see why people like it. And I see why people get so into it. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like it has the depth of the more hardcore competitive games. And so I bounced off of it pretty quickly. And I I haven't tried out ARMS because I don't have a Switch, but it looks neat. I would love to be able to play it and I will eventually. But I don't know. Competitive gaming has always been the uh, tangential to where yours is i suppose where i wasn't a counter-strike competitor i wasn't the first person shooter lobby game rts uh and then later moba kind of gamer i was the like i said in an earlier episode last year i was the competitive raider in world of warcraft i was the guy who was trying to be one of the very few people on my star wars galaxy server who had a jedi i was trying and i was and i was you know know ultima online pk and uh competitive uh 
like player killer in the PvP stuff that was going on, that was where my competitive side was in online gaming. And it's also kind of shifted now to where I don't get, I still do a lot of those activities that I did then in terms of how I play the game and the elements of the games that I like, but I turn off the, I have to win and be better than these people and can look at it from an, I'm having fun perspective. And I guess like I never felt like I had to win and be better than people. It's just not a part of Mm. my personality. I mean, maybe a little bit more when I was a teenager and the hormones were raging because that kind of happens to everyone. But uh, even then, not very much, not compared to the other people around me, you know? Um, Yeah. And maybe that's why I'm kind of drifting towards, you know, like the arms and the splatoon, these like casual competitive where... I think a big part of it is if you go into a game with like a really high skill ceiling and you are new to it, you just get destroyed. Yes. And it's like it's disheartening, which is one thing, right? And that that's one hurdle to get over. But I think the thing that makes it so that I don't even try to get into those games is to get anywhere close to that level takes so much time investment. So much and, like, I used to have free time to get good at multiplayer, right? When you're a teenager, yeah. when you're in college, like, I had all sorts of time to do that. And now I just don't. Like, um, and feeling like I'm playing the same map over and over, the same character over and over. Right. And I'm not actually, like, there's nothing to work towards. There's no end goal. It's just competition for competition. Like, I really yep. like that about, again, I guess we're going to kind of bounce back and forth here. But it's probably one of the reasons I like single-player games so much. There's an end goal. Like, I can finish a single-player game. You can't finish Overwatch, you know? No, but, and Overwatch, that's one of the things that I like about Overwatch, though, that it's that it's evergreen, that we can play it all the time. And even though I do play competitive, it's not for the competition. I'm, I am super terribly rated, like really bad. And it's because I don't care if I win or lose. I want to win more because I want the cosmetic item that you get from, from winning in competitive mode. I want the gold weapon. And I finally got enough points to get it recently, to get one of them. And I can't decide which character I want, but I also like the skins. I've become the guy who, if I was in, if I played Team Fortress 2, I would be a hat collector that i i just like the cosmetic stuff and it's really from overwatch that 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 came from that i want new heroes in hearthstone i want new skins in overwatch and be able to bounce back and forth between matches and have a different skin of diva i want in in wow right now i'll i'll transmogrify my gear and transmog it into something different a couple of times a day if I'm playing for more than an hour. I mean, I just, I I go back and that's where I'm finding that, that satisfaction in collecting stuff because I like collecting stuff and going through and that competition of finding more rare skins, doing all this, like having the gold guns in Overwatch, but also I don't do that in single player games because I can't show them off. I've never gone back and gotten the Tunic of the Wild in Zelda because I can't wear it around other people and I would just be able to share screenshots instead of actually playing it around people. And I know that's silly, but that's how my brain works. 
Yeah, I can see that. And it's like, that's kind of the true end game for most MMOs. They want you on that gear treadmill. They want you grinding for like the things that look cool that, you know, they want uh, you're after the stats too. But really, everybody knows you're just, you're doing it to look cool. Like that's everybody's end game. And I don't even care about the stats. I'm I'm working on figuring out, I spent some time today between my, my tedium of organizing image galleries of looking up exactly which bosses from like, 10 years ago drop the sets that I never got that I can go back and one shot the bosses and try to collect like those legacy raids are something that I just super enjoy but like along those lines like the unlocking stuff feels really good right yes Overwatch, I like that about Overwatch too. And I guess I should say, like, in general, the multiplayer games that I kind of go back to at the moment that are evergreen, um, Overwatch is probably the main one. And then Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, so very, like, Blizzard-leaning here. And then also Mario Kart 8. And now, well, yeah. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But those are kind of the main ones that I go back to a lot. Um, and a lot of those are Blizzard ones with that model where the more you play, the more you, you unlock. And right. A problem that I feel like I run into with them is it just doesn't unlock fast enough. Like, I loved that first, what, like 20 levels of Overwatch where it was really quick to, like, unlock stuff. And then you slow down and it never gets back to where it was before. Um, I feel like if they increase the experience rate by, like, two times what it is right now, I would probably play way more Overwatch. And I know they, they don't want to because, like, that's how they make their money, right? And I know that they've, like, leveled it out some, I believe, where used to, you could get to level 100, it would start over again at 1, and you would have 1 one to 20 being fast again, where I think they've lowered how much it takes to get above 20 to 100 and normalized it essentially all the way through where i don't think that 1 to 20 is as quick as it used to be but i think the entire grind has become less of a grind because as i've played it recently i get a loot box every three-ish matches right now that seems faster than last time i played but i honestly haven't played very much wins i suppose okay that's different that's not a guaranteed thing, but okay, right. I can see that. Um, so that's kind of like multiplayer stuff, but I feel myself more drawn towards single player because I can just, I can finish a game and I can put it behind me, whereas I can never really mm. truly put a multiplayer game behind me. It's no. always like there, which kind of bugs me. And I like that, that that's something, but I'm very sentimental. I'm very, I don't even, I can't even think of the, it's not, I'm sentimental in real life, but it's not as though I'm sentimental. I'm nostalgic for games, yes, but I, I, once I've invested in something, once I've found something that I truly care about, that's my thing. I love it. And like we've talked about before, I'll go on these kicks. And when I find a game that I want to give my attention to, I'm glad that I can't put it behind me. I I get really sad if I feel as though there's never going to be anything new for me to experience in a game. I guess, like, I don't know, multiplayer games, when I play the same map on the, with the same characters and the same people over and That's over, true. it feels like the same thing over and over. Like, more so than replaying a single-player game for me. Like, I would rather beat a single-player game beginning to end and then like it so much that I go back through it again. That feels more unique than doing the same overwatch map again and then another time and then five times that same night you know yeah 
And and you're absolutely right. That's why there's a lot of time that I stop playing Overwatch for extended periods. And and those kinds of games, I guess, the, those repetitive, episodic uh, lobby games, I stop playing them and then come back months later when there may be one new one in the rotation just to have that breakup and the distance from whenever I was playing it before. Yeah, and I don't want to pick on Overwatch either. Like, I feel like oh this no, it's course, just a it's just a prime example. It's fantastic, but yeah, it's I mean it's really good. It was like both it, near both of our top of the year list last year, and it deserves to be there. Um, it's a great game, and like I do go back to it. But mm-hmm. I'm at the same place with Hearthstone and with Heroes of the Storm, and like I went back into Heroes of the Storm the other day because there was some I don't know free hero bundle offer, and one of my friends told me, "Hey, jump in there for a second just to claim yeah, that bundle." I did that, and yep. you get like was, twenty heroes or something. Right, exactly. And it reminded me of one of the weaknesses you can run into with a multiplayer game is that like when it's a game as a service, like we talked about the other week, it can change so much over time. Like I hadn't been in that game for such a long time and I went in and it is it's totally different. I mean, I'm sure if you like go into the game and play, it's still very similar. But the metagame and like the way you unlock things, it feels like Overwatch now, where before it was its own completely different system. And yes. it's like totally revamped from the ground up. And as somebody trying to come back to it, it feels overwhelming in a way that kind of pushes you away. See, and it was the opposite for me that I wasn't ever invested in Heroes of the Storm, that oh. I had played it a little bit earlier last year when you got me playing MOBAs, and I enjoyed it. It was great. Unlocked a few things and then just played it every now and then. And when they switched recently to the 2.0 or whatever they called it, or the version number, if that's how they did it, and uh, they changed the loot system to be similar to Overwatch, that made me think about getting into it because I knew that system. I liked that system. And okay. it was like, oh, well, maybe I can I can actually learn to like this game a little bit better, but it was still a little slower pace than I wanted it to be. So it, because, of, I mean, that's the kind of game it is, but it made me feel more comfortable because I knew that system where like when I went through and started playing WoW recently a couple of weeks ago. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. They've changed I mean, so we much. Were, we wanted to talk about like MMOs too. Like where are you at without with WoW? I mean, I know you were going to talk about it in Geekery, but this is probably a better place for it. Like how are you feeling towards it at the moment? I'm loving it, dude. It is. I am so... Legion is really good, and it ties in exactly to what we're talking about here because, I, like I said last week, I found a group of people who I really like. I got a random invite to a guild that has legitimately good people that I enjoy talking to and, and doing dungeons with. That's great. But the storytelling, like you said, when you played it at launch, the storytelling is the best that this game has ever had. Yes, And I agree they've learned that. how to do it. The thing is, I played the Demon Hunter, played it up, did not care about the story, but appreciated it. Okay. Got in, played it, did my did my thing, you know, I, uh, I I leveled up, did got all the catch-up gear, played around, saw most of the content that was out there, and I was like, uh. and then I decided I would level up my priest and I started the priest quests and I'm hooked that it is. And I'm still not done that. I saw at this point how much content there is that I can do alone at my own pace without feeling that gear treadmill because there's there are things to look forward to and unlock. There are things that I have to wait on dropping like the legendaries, but the 
pre-storyline, I like these characters. It's bringing people I knew about before. It's bringing, I have a light spawn from Hearthstone following me around as my combat companion right now. And it's awesome. And it's these kinds of things. And the story is really good. And, and it makes me want the artifact and the class story makes me play it like it's a single player game where I'm going in and doing something that feels like it's almost an open world like Zelda moving from point to point in this theme park, but they finally got it to where it is making me invest in my character as opposed to it just being my my ugly trailer park dwarf that I had. And it's still going on that I unlocked a quest I didn't know it existed today that was part of this overall epic artifact priest quest line that I was like, cool, this just keeps on going. And even the zones are doing that where I, I really like what they're doing right now, where I'm not necessarily playing it to raid. I'm playing it because I actually, for the first time in my life, like the story in an MMO enough to keep going. Well, I guess the second. Star Wars uh, The Old Republic did that at launch with the Inquisitor storyline. Well, and like that's how I felt when I tried Legion too. I really liked the class quest because I always liked Druid. That was kind of my main forever. And right. everything that was a Druid quest, I was loving. And then there's a whole zone that I don't know if you've done yet, but it's all a giant Druid quest, um, which is oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's so good. That was my first one I did on yeah. my Demon Hunter. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it. Var, Var, I can't remember. Valshalar or something. I can't remember the name of it. So after the class Valshara. questing, so, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> but after the class questing and after that like druid zone, to go into any of the other zones was such a letdown. That's why I bounced off the game. Because suddenly it was about things I didn't care about on a continent that I didn't really care about and new factions that I had no investment in. And it was just like, here, care about these people. And I just kind of went, no. And then I was done. Um, and I zoomed through some of those. Okay. And I found out that that you you had talked about at launch, that you had talked about with Legion, that you got into this this zone, you didn't like it, and you were locked in. Yes. That, that you couldn't change. That is not true because I figured out that you can because I got locked into a zone. I was like, oh, I don't like this and I need to go over here because I need the reputation much later on. And I, I went back and just tried and you basically have to get through the first le like leg of quests once you're there. Then it opens up that you can go back and just pick another one because they all scale to where you are no matter what. And it's just a breadcrumb quest to get you there after that. Oh, so interesting. I was excited about that because it let me get out of the zone I hated at that point and move into one that I was way interested in. And like where I'm at with MMOs right now is that I'm seriously considering getting back into Final Fantasy 14 for Stormblood yeah, because it looks so good. I I love that game. It is it's got to be my favorite MMO at this point. I mean, I have a lot of like nostalgia feels for WoW and especially for EverQuest, but in terms oh, yeah. of like the game that I'm most likely to go back to is Final Fantasy 14. Like I didn't get into it until probably about a month before Heavensward because I had a really? ton. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was perfect because I had a ton of friends who are bloggers and podcasters and Twitter people, like kind of my normal group of online people that I've never met in real life, but they're great. And 
they had talked about it enough that they convinced me to try and i dove in and i played that game like start to finish of vanilla well not vanilla it was a realm reborn but the current existing version of final fantasy 14 start to finish in a month and then as soon as i finished that like i hit the end game content heaven's word came out and we all dove into that together and so I played all the way up to the end of Heaven's Word with whatever patch number it was that ended in point oh, which I know they yes. usually do a couple more story patches after that. So if I were to go back into it right now, I would have to finish up all of those new story quests, which would be good mm-hmm. because it's the best story in an MMO that I've ever experienced. Like, And I got so bored at the end of A Realm Reborn after the main, when they started doing the episodic quests that came out to continue afterward i could not stand them and just just got bored on them and i never even got into heaven's word i own it i have it but i never could make myself get through the very end of a realm reborn to be get into it well i think that part of that is that it was episodic and i got to play those as one smooth that's true like transition like yeah there's definitely an end to the one point hour you know whatever uh realm reborn i think is considered 2.0 so yeah 2.0 content and then there's all the way up through patch 2.55 if i'm remembering correctly and you probably got it doled out to you as patch 2.1 2.2 and i feel like if i got that it would have driven me insane and i would have hated it but i didn't have that like i finished it and then i just went into the rest of it and that would have been awesome. I would have loved that because it gated content as it came out. That was one of the issues that I have with MMOs over single player games is that when new content is released, it tends to be gated behind some sort of either attunement or story in order to extend the content, which I completely understand. But with Final Fantasy XIV, these new episodes of story that were coming out, the extensions here made it so that I couldn't go into the new dungeon with my friends who had already unlocked it and found it because I was four storylines back because I had too much grading to do and so I wasn't able to go get into whatever the new dungeons were and that kind of thing I think is bad game design and it put a bad taste in my mouth because of uh because I was playing it with real life friends I was playing it we had a, a guild and a house and everything that we had pulled our money for and bought and it was people we worked with and it was absolutely lovely and when i stopped being able to play with my friends because of game mechanics it really put a bad taste in my mouth about that and when i had to finish all of that up before i could start heaven's word with them to catch up to them i just stopped i just canceled my subscription because there's no reason in an mmo that it should be treating itself like a single player game so that it excludes the multiplayer part of it which i can see doing the multiplayer to extend the single to to exclude the single player but i can't see excluding the multiplayer in an online game and see this is one of those places where we're totally different because i love the story in that game and that story comes first and I would never even try to play anything until I had gotten there in the story because I was invested in the story. Like the people I was playing with, they're secondary. Like they're good people. I play lots of other games with them. But in that game in particular, like I was in it to get the story and then doing all the other stuff came later. Like that's an afterthought. So I, I guess I never felt that pull. But it, to be honest, 
I even, totally even get if that. you do feel that way like final fantasy 14 compared to every other mmo on the market has such good tools for playing with people that are lower oh, level yeah. than you you can basically like get top tier rewards for playing with lower level people and being their sherpa through it they have yep. some of the best systems that i don't know why world of warcraft has not blatantly ripped them off because they should they absolutely should i think they're moving that way with the level scaling that they have going on in legion because the zones move with you no matter what so it seems like they're getting that technology in place where probably in the next year or so when the next expansion comes out that might be part of it just straight up stealing that from them yeah i think more games should and i mean you know destiny is talking about people being sherpas or i mean destiny 2 is talking about like experienced players being sherpas for lower level players and more games need that like Honestly, yeah. all of these games should be looking at Final Fantasy 14 and stealing the best ideas out of it because I would love that in it, more games. But it is a fantastic game. It surprised me how much I liked it and how much I just wanted to stick with it whenever we were playing it because it took me a while to get into it because of uh, to actually start playing it. I mean, because I had such a bad bad experience with 11 because it was too online. It was impossible to solo and play alone in it that you couldn't even after like level 12 you couldn't do anything without a group so going out from that into another final fantasy mmo i was very hesitant but 14 is so good yeah so i'm leaning towards that i don't be surprised if i end up getting stormblood and playing that a bunch because it looks very tempting and i've been thinking about it for like a month now and it's probably almost time to pull the trigger if i want to blast through the end of heaven's word content in time for that so we'll see we'll see what happens here in the next little bit i might be very tempted to do it i think you totally should and send me all sorts of videos and screenshots of it what do you play in 14 i'm just curious like i don't know what i know you play the druid and and world of warcraft but what do you play in in 14 uh, I played a bard because they're okay. essentially an archer with magic, and yeah. that okay. holds a lot of appeal for me. I like I like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I totally see that. Yeah, it was a good fit for me. And then I, I actually had a bunch of alts, too. So I had a few, well, not alts, but in 14, this is another thing more people should rip off. You just have the same character, and they can change into different classes, and the classes yeah. have independent levels, but it's all the same character. It, it makes so much sense to me. Um, it, it was so, so nice. I I have, like, White Mage, and I have whatever the other main healer is, and then I also have Arcanist. Um, a couple... Yeah, that sounds right. And then I have a couple tanks, too, that I leveled, like, way up just so I could play with other people and have options. But as far as a main goes, I'm barred, basically. Mm. Um, So that's coming up. But I guess uh, let's go back a second to, like, single player. Because I'm really – I mean, I think you know where I'm at. I think most of the listeners probably know where I'm at. Like, I'm always looking for interesting systems, interesting gameplay, good yeah. stories that I can dig into on my own time where I don't have to schedule around other people because that's hard for me. But like, what's appealing for you in single player games right now? Like, I know you got into <sighs> Zelda, but I feel like you've yeah. barely done any other single player stuff lately. It's it's because it's really hard for me to get into single player games that it has to be a very, very, very good game to get me hooked to want to spend time on it because there's been a shift in my personality where I it's not like I feel like I should be doing other things it's that I just I guess I have 
I don't feel like a lot of the single player games I've had are worth my time, that there are better games to be played. There are better things I could be doing with my time. I could be running. And if a game is not truly amazing like Zelda was, I just bounce off of it. And this is true of even games that other people have told me are just fantabulous like persona 4 i keep going back and i'm just like i don't think this game is for me i don't think i want to put this much time in on it because i don't like it that much and because i like it but i don't like it enough to invest that amount of time in and i don't know i go back and play a lot of them years later when they're cheap to experience them because i want to know but it's i like the I like single player games that are like Mario Kart where I can dive in and do something on my own. I really got into Disney Infinity uh last year whenever it was something that just I could I could create and I could do stuff and feel as though I was moving forward in something and I was still able to collect. I don't know. Single player games are in a really weird spot for me right now because I want to switch and I want to play the new Mario game. I want to play Mario Odyssey and I want uh um I don't even remember what the other game that I was thinking about coming out on the switches but i want to play mario i I can't um i want to play mario in these kinds of games nintendo games but for the most part single player games i just feel as though i don't have enough time to invest in a lot of these longer games even though i'll do it with an mmo that's interesting yeah we're definitely coming at them from different ways because i don't know i guess i don't feel like i need to have a lot of time to devote to single player because they go so fast like an mmo or a multiplayer game demands so much of your time for you to get into it like you can play, you know, like 40 hours of Overwatch in a week or 40 hours of an MMO. And it sounds like a lot, but I know a lot of people that do that every single week. And yeah. if I devote 40 hours to a single player game, it's probably beaten, if not beaten, two or three or four times over by then. Like, it's it's less of a commitment, except for, there are exceptions, like Persona 5, right? That's like a 100-hour right. time commitment. Um, And... I am drawn towards those JRPGs, so you hear about them more. But I also enjoyed Battlefield 1 for the single-player portion, you know? And that took me, like, all of eight hours to beat all of that campaign. Um, and that's something that really... those An eight-hour game like that isn't worth the money to me. No matter how fantastic it is, if a game lasts eight hours and I pay $60... I'm not going to be happy when I'm done. So I kind of look at a lot of the modern single player games as as being something that I'm going to get on sale when it's super cheap. Like I found a sale for I think Green Man Gaming had Fallout 4 for $18 last week maybe and I knew I wasn't I like fantastic price. There's I should have bought it. But I knew I wasn't going to sink in the time to ever beat it. That I would play it for a little while and then I would move on to something else because I I didn't even want to start because I knew that I probably wasn't going to spend the time that I needed to do it. Uh, Yeah, see, and I hear like six or eight hour game. If it's a good game, if it's high quality, that means there's no padding in it. So you're basically telling me that I get like all the best parts without having to wade through a bunch of things I don't care about because they feel like they have to make it longer. Like, yeah, I'm all about that. Give that to me all day. I'll pay for that. I love it. Um, And maybe this is just being a parent who's also working. Like time is different for me than when I was a teenager or like, you know, other people without kids It's totally a different place that I'm coming from with it. But I, I love games like that, that are 
short but fantastic, you know? And eight hours isn't short, honestly. Like, short games are, like, two hours, three hours, maybe four. But even those, like, Firewatch. I loved Firewatch. Oh, yeah. And that's all of a three-hour game when I played it. Maybe it was four hours, but it was somewhere around there, you know? I think I I think I did it in five and made a sandwich for one of those. That I just left it running. So, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic, and it's, wor- it's worth the price on it no matter what. But I still, as fantastic as it was, I don't know if I would have thought it was fantastic if I had paid 60 for it. I know you gave it to me as a gift, so it's like, yeah, this is fantastic anyway. But it uh, at 60... I'm still not sure if I would, like we had talked about early on, maybe our first episode, the value of the games. And that's so ingrained in me in online games as being so much value for the price. And like it's, uh, well, first of all, Firewatch is like a $20 game, but the. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the price to length ratio, like it's so different for so many people that I don't know. I guess I'm just one that doesn't really care about it anymore. As long as it feels like it was a good game, it can be whatever length that it feels is the right length for the game. And I don't know what it is. There is something about the monetary side of it that I look at. I'm like, ah. It's so funny I that don't... like you hesitate to put money in. If it's short, but you also yes. don't want a long single player game because exactly. you just said that. Uh huh. It is. It is. I am a walking contradiction in so many ways. Okay, that's. I want it. That's. To, it has to hit this perfect spot for me where where I know that it's going to be an absolutely stellar experience, but still be something I can sink my teeth in and not feel as though it was wasted. Like that, that's why I latched onto Zelda so hard. There was just so much to do that I never felt as though it was wasted, but I was still able to get in and get out and and not devote my life to it like an MMO. That's interesting. Well, we're definitely both into all of these different game types, so it's just for very different reasons, which is probably yeah. good that we're coming at it from different places. Okay, let's dive into the geeky offer of the week. This week we have Audible like we do often, Um, I'm going to recommend a book that I read and listened to a long time ago called Bloodline. Did I ever tell you about this one? It's a Star Wars book. Oh, the it's the Leia one, right? It is the Leia one. Yeah. So I've got it on Audible. I haven't listened to it yet. Okay, it's good. I mean, it's a Star Wars one. So it has a super high production values on it where they have like background, like, I don't know, what would you call them? Like soundscapes almost. And then really, they have sound effects for, you know, any action scene is definitely like done with a lot of Foley sound and stuff. That's cool. Um, But this book, I was just thinking about it the other day because of all the stuff coming out with like episode eight and information coming out and Carrie Fisher is not with us anymore. And this is just a really good Leia book. And it's by probably my favorite author in the star Wars universe right now, Claudia gray. Um, she's the one who did star by or lost stars, um, which I loved also. So yeah, it's a really good book to listen to. Um, and even though it doesn't tie into our topic or I didn't listen to it this week, it's it's really good. So I recommend that. You guys can get it for free or get any other audiobook for free. Um, help out the podcast at the same time by going to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast Get your free book and it helps us out. Everybody wins. Please. Yes, exactly. And then you have the mini topic episode ask again okay guys we are going to be doing a mini topic episode soon where the last time we did this it was so much fun that we wanted to do it again so what we want from you is to go onto the subreddit at geek at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geek cast and there is a thread there for you to give us 
any idea that you want us to talk about. If you have something that will take 30 seconds, take five minutes, whatever that you want to know about, that you want us to talk about, give it to us. We want questions. We want topics, anything at all. If you have a question about our personal lives, uh, what kind of toothpaste do we use? Anything like that? Ask away. Uh, it's Sensodyne. I have sensitive tephuses. And whatever it is you want to know about us, just let us know. Whatever you want to hear us talk about, let us know, and we will be doing that for you very, very soon. <laughs> or you can email it to us or tweet it to us at, at geek2geekcast or geek2geekcast at gmail.com. Yes, I'm watching all those places. If you send it to any of them, I will get it into the show notes for that episode that's coming up. And with that, it's time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. So besides World of Warcraft, what else have you been up to? Uh, the new season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt came out, and I can't remember if you've watched it. Have you? No, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, I looked into it, it once and I just, it didn't look like it was a show that I'd enjoy. I'm not sure if you would or not. Probably not. Um, did you watch 30 Rock? I tried and I hated it. Okay, then you do not, you will not like Kimmy Schmidt because okay. it's done by Tina Fey. A lot of the people from uh, 30 Rock are doing it. It was one of her follow-ups to it. It is so good. Like, it is exactly my kind of humor. And I w I'm really excited about season three because I was disappointed in season two because the first season, going all the way back to one, is brilliant. It, it really finds its feet about halfway through because it was a network show. It was, I think, for NBC that they didn't want to pick it up after a while, and it moved to Netflix, and they got it. So about when there was that transition, it changed in the production, and so you can feel that in the show. But it's still awesome. It's still just great. It is, it is wonderful, but it starts out as a network show. And the second season feels like it has sequelitis, where it's still tying up stuff from season one. They're figuring out what to do with the show. And it just never had that oomph that the first one did. And season three has just moved clear past that. There's no more sequelitis. It's just the show and these characters now. And I am just cackling out loud at this show now that that it has been jennifer asked me tonight what was if i just wanted to finish up the season and i was like pod i was like i'm podcasting and her response was can we watch some kimmy then <laughs> and uh i was like yeah because i want to and it, it's so good that if you were disappointed in season two guys like i was we're not disappointed we're still fun and i liked it season three is easily as good as season one so, yeah, you will hate it, though. Void, you will not like it at all. I will skip it. Yeah, yeah. As much as I would love you to watch it, you you won't. Um, I also got my new running shoes. I'm really excited. I decided on the Mizuno Wave Rider 19s, and I'm talking gobbledygook to you right now. But they're not stabilizer shoes, and they're so pretty. And I've run a few miles in them, and I think these are going to be the shoes that I need. So I'm very excited and very happy. And thank you, uh, Sergeant Bilbo, for pointing out the uh, Mizunos to me, even though uh, the ones you run in, I didn't didn't work out. But these these did. So yeah, cool. so I'm good glad stuff. you have shoes. 
I like shoes. I like running shoes. I like running shoes. I'll talk about running shoes with just about anybody. Um, during the Reader Riot, during the book festival that I did a, a month ago, I before R.L. Stein came on, I was kneeling down talking to the Dean of Arts and Sciences at the, uh, UNA here about running shoes because I saw that they were wearing hokas. Uh, and I was like, hey, guys, and just started talking to them about running shoes in the middle of a theater. It was... It was weird, but that's what I do. And uh, I made a cake yesterday. I saw. I, you told me about it, and it sounded it, delicious, but it also, you said you dropped it, right? It I, Well, I, it broke when it came out of the springform pan that I flipped it when it was too hot still. I made a, I made a, a very newbie mistake. You got to wait uh, for that stuff to baker. cool. I know, I know. And I mean, I'm I'm a good baker. Like I'm I'm very good at baking stuff. And I'd been watching the Great British Baking Show and I wanted to try a Paul Hollywood recipe, so I found one that was a Christmas brownie cake and it has uh dried walnut or dried cranberries and walnuts in it and it is very very rich it is very very good and i i got to do some of the the techniques that he does on that show and doing this it was super fun to make and then and it was super delicious and i loved it and then but i broke it when it came out and it made me sad but it was for my friend it was my friend's birthday cake too so it made me made me sad but he liked it and it was still delicious so yeah, I got to make a Paul Hollywood negative. Uh, negative. I got to make a Paul Hollywood recipe. So so happy ending. Yeah, you're right. It all works out. Cool. This week, um, I read actually I read two books in the same series. It's called The Bobiverse, and the first one is called We Are Legion. <laughs> we Are Bob. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. Do you know what a Van Buren probe is? Yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, okay, the, so uh, you, were, you were talking about you, it last week, I think. Yeah, I might have texted it to you. So if you guys don't know, um, a Van Buren probe is a hypothetical probe. We don't have them yet, but it would be a probe that we send out into the universe. It goes to another whatever solar system, galaxy, whatever, and gets resources and it can gather them up and basically like self-replicate. So print another one of itself or whatever, however it goes about self-replicating. So the Bobaverse books are sci-fi, and it's about a guy who lives in modern times, and he's like an engineer, software developer. He makes it rich because he sold his software at whatever company, and he thinks, hey, I'm a, I'm a nerd. This would be cool. Let's go get a cryogenic freezing contract for whenever I die. And when he's walking back from signing his final document on the contract, he dies. And so it jumps ahead like 100 years, and he wakes up, and he has been transferred into, like, a machine, so he's not a human anymore, and they're going to use him inside of a Van Buren probe, and so they prep them, and they get him adjusted to being a machine instead of a human brain, and then they send him off in the universe, and he starts exploring and kind of self-replicating. He's kind of ambivalent about it. Um, I didn't know if I would like this book. And it has, like, grabbed me. Like, I finished the first one, and I immediately jumped into the second one, and I finished both awesome. of those this week. So it's really good. I would really recommend it if uh, if, you, if you're into sci-fi at all, honestly. Yeah, that sounds really fantastic. Those are the kind of, of sci-fi books that I, I really enjoy, those speculative, different sci-fi that aren't aren't space opera books. Yes, it's not a space opera. It's definitely a different kind of sci-fi, which is a nice change of pace. It is science like, fiction as yeah. opposed to uh, science fantasy or space opera, one of the one of the softer sub-genres. Yeah, and I guess it hasn't been out that long, and 
it sounds like this guy's actually a fast writer, and I forgot to write down the author's name, which I apologize. I'll write it down when I read the third book, because apparently that's out in like a month, even wow. though the other ones haven't awesome. been out that long. So yeah, I'm going to finish up the trilogy as soon as that one comes out, because I'm I'm totally invested. Um, besides reading, I watched a couple movies over the weekend, the long weekend. So I watched the, not the remaster, what is it, the remake of Beauty and the Beast, the, the live remake, action yeah. one? Yeah, it was okay. It was basically what I expected. There's no yep. surprises. Um, and then I also watched, I, I don't know why I decided to do this, but I watched The Great Wall. Do you remember? Why would you do that to yourself? Well, I wanted to see if it was exactly what I thought it would be. And it was exactly what I thought it would be. There were no okay. surprises at all in that movie, but the visuals were really good. And I I don't know. If I am really bored of a movie and I bounce off of it hard, I'll just stop in the middle of a movie. I have no problem doing that. And I actually watched through this one all the way, mostly for the visuals, also for Matt Damon's horrible, horrible accent. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the visuals carry it a lot because it's Chinese directors who know how to do that, and it shows. Right. Yeah, so... And- those were the visuals are one of the reasons I don't want to see it. One of the many reasons I don't want to see it, but the visuals, it looks like it relies too heavily on the visuals, oh, and those kind does. of movies get really tiring for me in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I can watch them once. Like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or like, what was the other one that came out right around then? Um, Hero with Jet Li, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I liked both of those a lot the very first time I saw them, because the cinematography is amazing. But if you try to watch them again you already like it's just slow you know like yeah that type of cinematography makes for a slow movie and i can watch it one time and then i have to i'm like okay i'm done so i watched the great wall and you honestly most people should not watch that movie you probably won't like it <laughs> but i decided to do it and i i don't regret it and then after talking to you about selling your vibes and the oculus rift the other week I realized yep. that like I haven't gotten my vibe out in like f- since last year. Like it's been yeah. a good five six months, and I was like, well, it's sitting here, and someday I might have dedicated space where I can leave it set up. But until then, I kind of would rather have the money back. So yeah. you inspired me to go back to eBay, and I have to say, eBay kind of sucks. Like <laughs> there are so many issues with it and i i've used it before like i used it but not since before my kids were born so it's been a while i'm i'm gonna guess it's been like 10 ish years since the last time i bought or sold on ebay and i used to have an account that was like five stars because i'd bought and sold a bunch and i had good standing so i went to go retrieve that account and it doesn't exist anymore so that was the first thing that i was like okay why are you doing this to me and then after that, creating a new account, there were so many issues linking like my new account and getting it linked to a shipping thing with like UPS or anything else. And their interface is just atrocious. The UI and the navigation on that site, they feel like they haven't been updated since the 90s. Like they're not following any modern development standards. It's not at all obvious. Like there's way too many clicks to get into things and things are not under the menus that you think that they should be under. And for an e-commerce site as big as that one is, I can't believe they're not using HTTPS, which if you guys aren't a web developer, that is like the modern secure protocol that you want to look for anytime that you're on any kind of site that handles money. You want to look at the top and if it's HTTP, it's uh, it's the old standard. Like It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean they're trying to rip you off, but HTTPS is the modern standard. It's a secure connection and it's eBay. Like it's It's one of like the biggest selling sites on the internet and they don't have HTTPS. They don't have modern security. 
And then the estimated shipping was just wrong. Like I put in all the information about it and it ended up costing me about like four times the amount of shipping costs that eBay thought it would. So that was money that I just had to eat, which sucks. But I mean, at least it's a big enough ticket item that it makes up for it. But I just had to get all of that out of my system and be like, <laughs> why does eBay suck so much? Like, why why isn't it? I, I can't believe it hasn't been brought up to any kind of modern standard at all. After not touching it for 10 years, it feels like exactly the same site. And you use it. So tell me, yeah. what's the deal with eBay? <laughs> okay. eBay does kind of suck. That There's no way around it. The The desktop stuff is awful. I use the mobile app most of the time. That almost everything I do from listing photos, whatever, selling, the only thing I do on the desktop site is print shipping. That that everything else is done through the mobile app. That that I like it so much better. Um, that kind of adheres to the stuff that that we're used to in in mobile in yeah in mobile navigation. So because it's an iPhone app, and but you're right, eBay is kind of kind of kind of terrible in a lot of the ways. But it's still one of the biggest places just to sell stuff whenever you don't want it to be Craigslist, and I. I was still wondering what you did with the shipping on that, because where was it going from you in Minnesota? Where did you ship it to? It was just somewhere on the West Coast. I don't know. I have the address written down, but it wasn't it, it wasn't anything crazy, honestly. Like and I used their system and I looked at I mean, I know how to read documentation. I'm a web developer like I can follow documentation. I did step by step exactly what they said. And it just failed in so many different ways at the same time. And it wouldn't link up to even let me print the shipping label, so I didn't get any of the discounts you're supposed to get when you do it through them. What do you mean link up? I don't have to link anything. I just go in there, say buy with PayPal, and then click the button and print it through yeah, the, through eBay. That's not at all how it worked for me or what they tried to get me to do or prompted me to or gave me instructions on how to do. So it's just, I don't know. It was just a horrible experience all around with ebay and i had a horrible experience this week too i didn't tell you about this because i wanted to wait until it was completely resolved because i've been raging at ebay this week because i paid okay so so full disclosure on all these vibes and oculus i found them at a store for way cheaper than i did obviously than i than they would normally and i dropped a about $2,500 out of my savings account bought them to sell. So I should have made, when I sold all together, I should have made about $550 okay. is, is the profit on all this. After all fees, all shipping, all the discounts, and, and everything's been taken out, once I sold all of these for what they were going for, standard on eBay, I should have made about 500 bucks on my investment. It's great. Everything's good. I'm putting that on the MacBook for work, uh, pay it off. Things are great. And they sell immediately. People are buying them for $784 each when I pay $500 for them. It's great. Don't understand why when the Vive is $799 on the website. I guess I don't know. And But they're doing it. And turns out that I got scammed, Void. Oh, no. I get an email from eBay that says they're refunding my thing that there was all of this that uh the account had been compromised and that i need to make sure that i don't send the item well 
the item had already been delivered by oh, the time this happened. Brutal. That my $534 with that taxes and everything included uh, Vive had already been shipped, and I'd been in contact with this guy, and I fell for one of the oldest. I've been eBaying on this account for the last 19 years. Wow. And... I've never been scammed before, but this guy told me that, uh, so it was like, Hey, I moved. eBay has my wrong address in there. You want to ship it to me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Print, print, click, click. Everything's good. Uh, sends me the money on PayPal. Everything is good. Same name lines up on the, uh, on the shipping from eBay. Things are great. And then I get that email from eBay. I'm like, all right. So I contact, I call them, spend the afternoon on hold between them and PayPal. And they said, because I changed the uh, seller's address, I'm not covered, that that I'm out, that they're not going to refund it. They're going to put a hold on the money or anything, which means that after fees and everything, I'm out about $130 overall. Dude, that's brutal. eBay is just a bad platform this week. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's terrible. Don't get me wrong. I was, I have been raging on this because I knew that if I told you with your bad situation with eBay that you were angry about and you ended up losing some money, that it would just be this negative, just, just awful, just, just terrible, just, just, ah, between us. And so this morning I woke up to an eBay and and the guy did contest it. The guy contested like $839 that came out of his bank account or whatever it was. Somebody did. And I got an email from pay and they put a hold on that in my account, which I understand. And then I got an email this morning that said that I was covered and they gave me my money back. Oh, I do not. I do not know what happened. They said I was covered, that it was doing all this, and that was that was great. And I was just like, oh, so I did make money on this. I didn't I didn't lose and I have to eat the entire cost of a Vive and everything else. I was like, so so things are good again. So it did work out. Like eBay and PayPal did this and saw that things had been delivered and I don't know what happened. They never contacted me ever said it was good and the money is back in my account. So it did have a happy ending, but I did spend the last week just raging and saying how bad eBay is and how I'm never using it again. So wow. I don't know what I'm going to do with it right now because it is kind of terrible, but I have made an awful lot of money on eBay over the last couple of years. Well, that's good. I know you're much more versed in it than I am, but I just had to get that out of my system. Um, oh, absolutely. But, oh, I know. I, I, I feel you this week. Yeah. Outside of that, um, I tried a bunch of games just because that extra holiday weekend added a bunch. So yeah. um, I tried Injustice 2 on mobile, which it was okay. It was, I mean, it's like the new fighting game. You know, from yeah. I always forget the studio's name, but uh, I had played Injustice One with because I got it for free on PSN um, as like a PlayStation oh, okay. Plus game, and my brother and I played that for a couple nights in a row when whenever that came out for free. Yeah, and it was like it was really fun, but it was like really dumb fun. Um, so I tried. Yeah, this I got one it out. for Christmas a couple of years ago. Exactly the same. Austin got it yeah. for me, and I just sat and played it because it was just dumb fun. I liked it. And this one looks the same, except it's. And well, okay, I thought that this version, because it was mobile, was just micro track like microtransactions all over the place. But it turns out that's actually what the sixty dollar game is like too, which surprises oh. me. Um so I I can't I don't know if I can recommend that one because it really tries to get you to spend money on it. But it seems yeah. like more of the same. Like I guess I, I I'm just gonna hope it comes out for free sometime on like 
PlayStation again on PS Plus. Um, but I didn't play it for very long on mobile just because a fighting game on mobile isn't the best, you know? Is the mobile version one of those kind of like the Marvel Contest of Champions where it's like you tap the screen and it just like does different punches depending on how long you hold it. So it's like tap, 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 swipe, hold, tap, tap. Whole yeah, tap, it's tap. similar to that. It's okay. not far off, so it wasn't that great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would totally play it if it ever came out for free on like PlayStation Plus or something. But if you're if you're like huge into DC game, um, comics and you know, the characters and all that, I mean, it looks like it could be fun. It could be great for that kind of person. I also played Magikarp Jump, which it's a Pokemon game, and it's very much like an idle like time waster game where you train up your Magikarp and you're trying to make it jump higher than the other people's Magikarp, and that's what the Pokemon <laughs> battles consist of. And Wow. It's a game getting by purely on its style and its brand recognition. Like, if you've yep. ever played a Pokemon game, you should probably download Magikarp Jump and just play it for, like, two hours. Like, that's it. Like, you'll see everything that you would want to see in, like, two hours of playing. Um, so I played it for more than that, which I probably shouldn't have. I probably played it. <laughs> off and on for about five days and my daughter saw me playing and i've since then i'm done with it like i i definitely saw everything i had to offer but she's been playing yeah. it a lot so she keeps updating me on the status of her magikarp which is fun for me to see by proxy and not have to actually do it yes <laughs> you know um so that was cool and then i tried the disgaea 5 complete demo have you ever played a Disgaea game? Uh, yeah, I played the first one. Okay, so it's the same. I mean, all the Disgaea games are essentially the same. It's like okay. that turn-based strategy, but it's a little too finicky. It's a little too complex, and it's a little too deep in its systems, but like in a bad way. Like I like intricate systems when they're elegant, and this is yeah. like intricate systems built on top of each other in this clunky, like never-ending manner that's just frustrating. So... It was basically what I thought it would be because I've played other Disgaea games too, but at least I tried it. Um, and then I tried, um, I think mostly I'm just looking for something to play on the Switch because I was also playing the ARMS that they're quote unquote test punch. So the beta of ARMS. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get that game. I'm kind of torn on it. Like the volleyball mode was really fun and the one on one battles were pretty fun. Um, but it randomly throws you between modes and i don't know if this is just because it's beta or if this is the way it's going to be like it'll randomly mm. pair you up with people and you don't get to say i only want to do one-on-one -on -one battles or i only want to play volleyball you just kind of get put into this general oh. pool and sometimes you end up in a like three-way battle and sometimes you end up in a 2v2 battle and sometimes you end up in a multiplayer volleyball game and sometimes you end up in a one-on-one -on -one fight and you have no control over it which kind of bugs me and then i the... hope that's different in the main game because i can really see that being something that you know you're doing it for just a little while and really not enjoying part of it because there's always going to be a mode that you don't like as much as the other ones are just straight up don't like and that would put me off of a game i think it may put a lot of people off if they you don't get any control yeah and for me it might come down to like what the single player offerings are outside of what i saw and then also what kind of like unlock progression system there is in a multiplayer because we just talked about this right like if there's interesting progression in the multiplayer portion of it i'm a lot more likely to get into the game because there's something to like dig into instead of just it's all there right from the beginning which i know that yeah. sounds better but it's also less interesting in a way yeah but the motion controls on it because they want you to like physically punch with your hands and like twist them to aim punches um 
I wasn't a fan, but uh, I'm never really a fan of bad motion controls, especially after having a Vive and knowing what one-to-one feels like. Yeah, for that's VR. true. Like, it's probably spoiled me forever. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get into a gimmicky motion control game again. So um, the first test bunch I did with my kids, and the motion controls were really good for kids. Like, they both loved it. It was perfect, and I can totally see why it's a good fit for them. It was really funny, though, because, like, I played, and I was trying to, like, master the controls, and I probably had, like, a 50% win rate. And then my daughter played for a while, and she didn't do very well. She won maybe one out of, like, I don't know. She tried a lot. Um, And then my son came in. And so I, we handed the controls over and explained them to him. And then he just started wildly punching with them in his hands because he's four and he didn't really get it. <laughs> um, and motion, like he's good with a controller with buttons, but he doesn't, we don't do a whole lot of motion control games in my house, yeah. right? So he didn't really know. So he just starts wildly punching and he got a hundred percent win rate. Like it, it was just, it's frustrating. Like he got the best win rate out of all of us for that one hour period. I I just couldn't believe it. He's just that swinging makes me wildly. So happy. Um, it made me happy too, but it also made me like, hmm, I really don't know about these motion controls. So yeah, the as next... far as from the development side of it and being a a discerning gamer, I suppose is the way to put it, that it may not have as much depth to it as something that would be it. It may not have enough depth to really keep your attention for a long time. Well, so the next... Well, they only do test punches in, like... Uh, it's such a dumb name. They only do the beta test in hours, right? So they right. have, like, a oh, one-hour okay. block, and then you have to, like, schedule the next hour block. So oh, are they still doing that? It's the exact same thing as Splatoon 2. I wish they were longer so you could actually, like... You didn't have to fit it around your schedule. <sighs> like, you could just do it whenever. Um but I so the next time they were both asleep and I tried the next block of play and I really I really tried to do motion controls. I'm like, this is the way they want you to play. There has to be something here. And I will say that, like, as I played, I got better at like twisting the punches and aiming them as they moved. But my win rate was maybe like 50 percent, which is what I expected because no one knows how to play the game yet. Right. Everyone's yeah. pretty much on equal footing. And then I was like, OK, I gave this a serious shot. I played probably an hour total at that point, you know, between the first round and then the first half of this round. Um, I was like, OK, I'm going to switch to a standard, just my pro controller and just see how it feels. And I went from a 50 percent win rate to 100 percent win rate. And um... I like that game so much better with the standard controls. Like you can move around without like tilting the i mean you just use a control stick you move your character right whereas the way you have to move your character with the motion controls is to pretend that like both of those independent controls are joysticks and like point them in the direction you want to move oh but you have to do that while you're in the middle of doing other actions to defend and attack and oh man that would be super hard for me to do it just doesn't i don't know it just doesn't work well so i felt like when i was doing the motion controls i stuck with the heavy characters with like big slow punches that were worth actually taking my time to like twist them and aim them as they traveled and that was how i got the best win percentages that i was getting with motion controls and then as soon as i switched the controller i went with the lightest fastest characters and i just built my whole game plan around moving so i just dodged i dodged people's punches i jumped over them i jumped through them i jumped around them i got in close and i could like execute all of the special moves really well like blocking and grabbing and doing like a one-two punch with two different arms attached like i really liked that game once i got onto the standard controller so 
that's kind of where I landed with it. I don't know if I'm going to buy it yet, but there's another round of betas this weekend, so I'm probably going to try it again. Yeah, definitely, and do it both ways. After, now that you know how to do it on the standard controller better, go back and try to take some of that and apply it to the motion and just see, but otherwise I'd probably be using the standard as well. Yeah, so that's kind of where I landed with ARMS. <laughs> and then... um I think I might be done with Fire Emblem Echoes, the Shadows of mm. Valencia. It was interesting because it was different, but I really like that standard Fire Emblem formula more. Like, yeah. this one, it was there was no weapon triangle at all, and that's like a, such a key part of Fire Emblem that makes it really interesting in battles, like who you put up against who and who you're like trying to keep away from other units because they'll course, just get yeah. destroyed. Like, that just doesn't exist. If you run into something where you can't overcome it, it's not a matter of picking the right weapon pairing. It's a matter of, okay, leave this battle and go grind for a little bit, which oh. is fine in an RPG, which this one is much more of an RPG than a strategy game. Um, but it just didn't feel like the Fire Emblem games that I really enjoy, you know? And then, like, it has other things, like there's no MP for magic you use your hp it, it's just Ugh. like all these little oddities there's two different protagonists and groups of characters so once you get to a certain point you have to jump back and forth between them and i okay. felt like i could never really like dig into one as much as i wanted to because there was always the other one just kind of waiting and i was like oh that one's falling behind i should go over there even though i'm trying uh, to get invested so you in get this. to choose you get to go back and forth by choice and and whenever you want well, not exactly. You do one for a while, and then you switch and you do the other one for a while, and then you get to a point in the story where you have to progress both of them. So if you want, you could take one all the way to the end of that chapter and then go back and do the other one all the way to the end of the chapter, but you do have to do both. So huh. if one got too far ahead of the other, I felt like, oh, I kind of have to go back to it. Does that make sense? Oh, good. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, and one of them is a kid from a small village with humble origins who's secretly important to the world. It's like, oh. stop me if you've heard that one before, right? I don't it, think so. I mean, that sounds really unique. I know. It's just that kind of stuff. It was just all these little things that were slowly turning me away from it. And then it's that there's that weird first-person view when you're exploring towns that's like it's not a first-person like we would think of right now. It's like old i don't even know it's almost point and click but not exactly interface. super odd it's very odd um and then it's also odd because there's free like there's full 3d free roaming in the dungeons but not in the towns in the towns you're in that weird view and in the dungeons you move around like you would in a modern 3d game um but when you have encounters in a dungeon you just keep playing the same battle map over and over and over which yeah. gets super old especially compared to like Fire Emblem Awakening or Fire Emblem Fates where every map there's so much thought put into it to make it interesting this is one where they just make one generic map for an entire dungeon and you just replay it over and over on a strategy game that's that that's one of the things that drove me away from Fire Emblem Heroes is that there wasn't enough variation in the boards that you got they were so small and just the way things worked I I bounced off of it because of that. Yeah, and I mean, it it makes so that there's a lot more battle maps than the last couple Fire Emblem games, but they're a lot less interesting than the last few. Right. And I would I would rather have less maps, but have them be more interesting. Um, and then it's missing other stuff too. Like you know how much I got into like the relationship pairing uh -huh. and like the relationship development in the last few games. This doesn't have like 
and well it has some of that but not really you can't put them on the same like square you can't use them as a team in battle like you can okay. in the other ones that i really like and there's no dialogue or like um leveling up the relationship outside of battle it's only when they're on the battlefield which feels super odd to me hmm. that they're just gonna stop in the middle of an epic battle and be like let's talk about our relationship it's weird I, I say all that because last week I was pretty much like, oh, this is really cool. And I still feel that to some extent, too. But it's it's definitely like the Zelda 2 of the series. It's an odd one out. And it's kind of a decent game, but it shows its origin as the second Fire Emblem game that was really different and they hadn't found their way yet. You know what I mean? Okay. So yep. it all comes down to the fact that, like, I just don't like the systems in this game as much as the modern Fire Emblem games. And you know how important like systems are to me. Yeah. And if they're not there, if they're, they're not, not worth there, spending yeah. your time on, it's, it's no knock against the game. It could be somebody's introduction to fire emblem and they love it. But well, I can definitely see why people would love this game. It's I'm, it's not a bad game. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's not what I'm looking for in my fire emblem games is where I landed. And well, I guess it's like my, well, a lot of the stuff I've heard about the Elder Scrolls online and then I played it and it was if you're coming from Skyrim and you're expecting that out of the Elder Scrolls online, you're not going to get it. It's good for what it is. It feels like a spinoff Elder Scrolls game. And I know why people love it because I've had a really good time playing it, but it's just not the game I want. So that's kind of. That's kind of how I feel like uh, this This one is for you, kind of like, oh, I love these other games. This is a neat spinoff, but I'm going to go back and play my other games. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel coming at this one. So I think I'm just going to wait. I'll probably just wait because I know there's a new real Fire Emblem game coming out next year on the Switch. And it's like, okay. that, that sounds perfect to me. I am happy to just wait for the next game that is in the vein of Fire Emblem that I enjoy. Right. And that's... It's great. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. And then the other thing I started playing that I don't really want to weigh in too much on yet because I'm still, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but they haven't formed all the way, is Has Been Heroes. And again, it's because I'm just looking for things to play on the Switch. And I think it's secretly a brilliant game, but give me more time with it. I'll, I'll talk about it next week, I'm sure. Like, I just need more time with this game before I weigh in on it. And I don't. I don't know much about it at all. All I, I'm, I, I, I've heard of it, and that's the extent of it. I, I'm, I'm excited to see, see more about it. I guess. I think it's a poorly messaged, secretly a puzzle game, and it's masquerading as an action game. It's, it's really weird. weird. Give me time with it. I'll talk about it next okay. week. Yeah, for sure. And with that, that's it. I did all that. That was my week of geekery. <laughs> Man, you uh, don't you mean your Memorial Day weekend geekery, I guess? Yeah, basically, essentially. Um, but yeah, uh, with that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have our longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast and send any of those mini topic requests our way. Yes, please, 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 please do. And you know, we're also part of a podcast network. So if you're not listening to all of the podcasts that we've got, you really should be. So go over to geek 2 geekcastcom and see what we've got and start listening to them. 
I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And you can find me online at BJKeaton.com. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geekies. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of the Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek Podcast Network. So join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.